This episode of the 501st cast is dedicated to Chris Skiles, SL93620 of Star Garrison, who passed away on the 3rd of February 2014. Though Chris was a relatively new member of the 501st, he was known for his enthusiasm and had spoken of how eager he was to participate in his first official troop as a 501st Legion member. And to Craig, the sniper Budge, BH7622 from Redback Garrison, a member of the 501st, Rebel Legion, and Mando Mercs, he was extremely well-liked and well-respected. His enthusiasm, generosity, and devotion to the many charitable causes that he supported through these clubs will be sorely missed in the Queensland costuming community. Never one to seek the limelight, Craig was as dedicated and as tireless a trooper as you could ever hope to meet. And whilst we are profoundly saddened at his loss, we are all richer in our hearts for having known him. It is with great pride that we enter their names into the 501st Legion's Hall of Eternal Legionnaires. We found the computer outlet, sir. Plug in. You should be able to interpret the entire Imperial network. You are listening to the 501st Cast, the official podcast of the 501st Legion, Lucasfilm's preferred Imperial costuming organization. Stay tuned for global news from the front lines of the Empire as the men and women of Vader's fist celebrate more than a decade of promoting Star Wars, honing the art of costumes and props, and contributing to the community through charity and volunteer and here are your hosts. Take it away, troopers. Copy that. Welcome to the 501st Cast, the official podcast of the 501st Legion Vader's Fist. This is episode 79 for February 2014, and I'm your host, Nikki, DZ8397. And hello, people. This is Scott, SL9854. The 501st Legion is currently at 6,449 members with... 11,036 approved costumes in the Legion. In this episode, we'll talk about Legion elections, some of the great strides made by our PR department, some great charity numbers for last year. We'll discuss Star Wars Rebels, go myth-busting, and put to sleep the age-old questions of... Well, I guess you'll have to listen to find out. We'll also have a special interview with honorary member Jimmy Mack from Rebel Force Radio and a few great upcoming events to promote, so don't go away. Recent news. Now, I'm not sure about you, Scott, but I distinctly remember reading a bunch of mission reports and making a December episode. Were you there? Right? Were you there for that? Yeah, you know, December went by so fast. Uh, I'm like, did I miss something? I, I seem to have missed something about the 501st cast. Yep. There, so, folks, there's a a lone girlman episode out there for December <laughs> with just me talking to myself for a while and eventually maybe we'll publish it but but right now it's it's just out in limbo land so so apologies apologies for missing December it's just that you know cuz Santa Sith Claus came by so fast <laughs> yeah but we're going to try to get back on track for 2014 and uh, one of the, the other big things, though, that has occupied a lot of our time, though, is 501st Legion elections. They take place, dun, dun, dun. Yeah, they take place every year this time of year. And uh, as we record, voting has actually just begun after a period of nominations and Q&A. It's not only for uh, your each individual trooper's unit, but there's also elections for the Legion as a whole, for the detachments, if you happen to have a squad in your unit. 
all across the board at Selections. So if you're a Legion member, you have until February 16th to cast your vote. So head over to the main 501st Legion forums and let your voice be heard. And we'll announce next term staff, which officially starts March 1st during next month's episode. Get out and vote, troopers. Yeah, I think we even made an easy URL if you don't want to try to dig through the forums, although I would encourage you to read the Q&A first before voting. But if oh, yeah. but you can go, I believe it's um, 501st.com slash elections, and that'll bring you right to your voting page. There you have it. All right. Do you want to uh, head us off with what the Department of Propaganda has been up to? Oh, why, of course. So the 501st Legion uh, Department of Propaganda compiled an end-of-term report, and we want to share some of that uh, interesting social media stats with you. First of all, on Facebook, the uh, department posted between four and six updates every day, every single day of the year, totaling almost 2,000 photos and captions. They started with about 55,000 fans in March of 2013 on our Facebook page, and I think we are now at 132,000 fans as of this recording. That's, uh, that's an amazing growth. It's over 236%, and that's, without, or that's with the help uh, – or excuse me, without the help of paid ads or boosts or any of that other you know, Facebook stuff. Uh, we ran seven different giveaways to keep the fans engaged with our partners like DK Publishing, Her Universe, Del Rey, Nerd Machine, and QuirkBooks, which donated uh, $2,500 to Make-A-Wish as a thank you for our support. And this also inclu- included some self-promos. For our Twitter account, at 501st Legion, you can follow us there. Now, we started with about 26,800 and some odd followers and uh, 6,500 plus tweets uh, as of June of last year. We currently have 38,300 followers and over 8,700 tweets. So we are tweety little birds here. Uh, We have a Tumblr account as well, so if you're uh, on Tumblr at all, you can find us at the501stlegion.tumblr.com. On August 19th of 2013, we reclaimed the 501st Legion Tumblr account, uh, and we have 210 posts and 119 followers so far. There's a lot more details in the report, so if you're a 501st Legion member, head over to the general discussion area and check out the full report, and we'll have a link in our show notes. Well, with the end of the year being behind us now, I wanted to report also our 2013 final numbers for our charity and fundraising within the Legion. Our troopers have done some amazing work in the past few years. Uh, We continue to raise great amounts uh, of money for charity. And in the year 2013, our direct fundraising efforts totaled $262,328. Now, mind you, that amount is not 100% of everything that we did. That is with all of the garrisons and outposts reporting. And while we're getting much better at reporting, I know we still did better than that. Impressive. Indirectly, we helped to raise over $32 million for charity. And with all of the troops out there in the Legion uh, putting in their time and effort for these charity troops, we had over 28,900 hours of our troopers out trooping for charity. 
What's really interesting, too, is that if we look back uh, to 2012, we did about $100,000 more in charity fundraising than 2012. We were at 168000 then, and of course now at 262000 for 2013. So our numbers have really increased um, fairly substantially, and I'm looking forward to see what we can do you know, this year for charity with a lot of great events already you know, out the gate within the first few months of you know, the year. Yeah, and like you were saying, this isn't even all of our units reporting in, so this is probably just a fraction of what we actually accomplished. Yeah, I would think if we got 100%, and I realize, you know, there's, it, it can be, uh, it's it's a bit time-consuming to try to track all of the information and get it posted in a way that we can make sense of it all, but we've been doing a great job for, for five years now. We've been really t- trying to track all of our charity numbers, and we have discussions every year about the kinds of things we'd like to track and what, you know, we think should and shouldn't count. And I have to tell you, I mean, even with the toy drives, you know, uh, last year, we had a huge number of toys uh, uh, donated on behalf of the Legion and also with our troops out doing toy drives themselves in the holiday season. This year was no different. We had troopers out there doing, you know, whether it was Toys for Tots or Spark of Love or any other individual toy drives. And we had uh, uh, several thousand items that were donated uh, on our behalf and from our own direct, you know, toy drive efforts. So every year we're looking at trying to, you know, figure out what it is that the Legion is doing so we can report that information to the members and to the public at large because I think a lot of people may not really be aware of how much work we put into uh, our local communities. Yeah, 28,000 hours is, you know, nothing to shake a stick at there. No, no, not at all, right? Right. So, speaking of um, growth in the past year, not only have we uh, increased our our donations, we've also um, obviously been growing the Legion. We've had a couple new units form this or this past month. In the middle of January, our outpost for Guatemala formed. They named themselves the Jaguar Outpost, and they have a really cool logo to symbolize their unit. I'm not sure if they've set up their website yet, um, but we'll either get a link to their website or a link to their logo, so you can check it out in our show notes. And about a week after them, the Polish Garrison's Pomeranian Squad formed. Now, some of our dog-loving members were a little disappointed that they didn't go with a Pomeranian in armor for their logo. They just have a stormtrooper, but still cool. I just imagine a very noisy squad. <laughs> <laughs> Pomeranians. <laughs> and uh, actually, in a rare occurrence, one of our squads, Northeast Remnant Garrison's Camino Squad, dissolved uh, via a vote by the whole garrison, and its members were absorbed back into the parent garrison. So, you know, happens sometimes, but, you know, the members are all still there. They're just uh, trooping under the, the main garrison flag. Well, it happens on a watery planet like that. (laughs) Well, our mighty 1st Imperial Stormtrooper Detachment has recently published a new newsletter. We're going to have a link in the show notes where you can check it out. And also, don't forget to keep checking in at www.facebook.com forward slash Storming Australia and see how Scott, TD4857, is progressing on his journey around Australia. You can check out the photos of his other stops along the way on his Facebook page. And consider lending your support to his fundraiser for Monash Children's Hospital via the donation page. We'll link in our show notes. And if one person walking around Australia wasn't crazy enough, there is a young man named Jimmy also walking across Australia, but not in armor, though. 20-year-old Jimmy Harrington is walking around Australia to raise 
$300,000 for the Brainchild Foundation. And you can find out more about his journey at jimmyswalkforcancer.com. You know, this uh, this Australian walking thing, is this go back to the old Crocodile Dundee, what he's gone on walkabout? <laughs> Except they're just doing walkabout for charity. <laughs> Maybe, maybe it's maybe it's a I'm thing just, for Australians. I, that's what I'm saying. Hey, Australians, call us on the uh, the toll free number and let us know if you're all going to go on walkabout. <laughs> <laughs> Our new Legion Spotlight initiative that highlights the individual troopers and units that come together uh, to make the 501st Legion what it is it continues on. So be sure to head over to 501st.com and check out the new Spotlight section right on our front page. Mid-South Garrison member Chris, TB326, will be speaking at TEDx Nashville on March 22nd. He'll have 18 minutes to expound on robots, spaceships, greeblies, and how to build an online community to make a childhood dream into reality. There may even be a robot and a piece of a spaceship on stage with him. Way, way back on episode 25 from October 2008 of the 501st cast, we talked about Chris's full-scale Millennium Falcon project. Well, he's still plugging away at it. He even brought part of it to one of the Mythbusters live shows where Adam Savage signed a section of it, labeling it Mythbuster Approved. You can find out all the details of this project at FullScaleFalcon.com. Pre-sale tickets for the TEDx Talk went on sale Tuesday, February 11th and are expected to sell out quickly, but we'll have the link in our show notes just in case there are any left. Most talks are available online afterwards, though, so we'll keep an eye out for that and report back next episode if it surfaces online. So what are the chances that he's going to get the Falcon done in time for Celebration Anaheim? I don't know. He at least, <laughs> well, I saw pictures when he brought it to the um, Mythbusters live show. And right. he has, you know, a, a very nice um, cockpit set piece that I right. saw pictures of Adam Savage um, and Chris's wife sitting in that that would definitely make a nice addition to Celebration Anaheim. Exactly. Even just that part would be awesome. Well, we shall see. We're going to keep taking a look and uh, watch the progress as it goes. Chewie, take the professor in the back and plug him into the hyperdrive. So, are you caught up on the, the newest Star Wars Rebels news? Yeah, what is this Star Wars Rebels? I don't know. I, I'm a little behind. I'm trying to, you know, read about it as I see other people posting about it on Facebook. but. Um, I know today I was seeing some news going around about some sort of cowboy Jedi. Yeah, I was just thinking to myself the other day, you know what's missing from Star Wars? You know what's missing from Star Wars? If Freddie Prince Jr. could just do the voice on one of the shows, it would be spectacular. And now it's like a Look dream. Look at that. It's like a dream. I mean, I'm almost, I don't even have to go on anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, it's pretty awesome news. So I did I did see the article. Freddie Prince Jr. is going to voice the uh the voice of the character Kanan, who is the cowboy Jedi on Star Wars Rebels. I've seen a lot of screenshots. I mean, you know, I, I like the stylized art. It, it was kind of the same thing when, you know, Star Wars the Clone Wars came out. A lot of people looked at it and went, What is this show going to be about? Um but, you know, I'm I'm anxious to kind of see how it goes and with the same people behind it, Dave Filoni and some of the others, uh it has quite a bit of promise. Yeah, and I know there's some talk about the new design for the Stormtroopers. Um, yeah. Is that going to be something that the 501st Legion is going to incorporate or not? I know there's 
there's a lot of discussion between, you know, the, the old school fans and the the people who embrace the opportunity to build any sort of new costume or prototype costume <laughs> that they can. So Exactly. Well, look what happened to, uh, uh, you know, with, with uh, the Clone Wars. I mean, you know, we thought, oh, there'll be some clones. And the next thing you know, there's like 20 new types of clones from the animated series and whatnot. So, you know, it, which is awesome. I mean, the fact that any of our members can pull off animated armor, uh, you know, between the guys that sculpt it and make the kits and the guys that put it together and make them look awesome. So, you know, Star Wars Rebels, I think, is going to provide us a lot of entertainment, at least, for the next few years. <laughs> yep, and it'll definitely be keeping us busy. As long as the Rebels don't get anything cool, it's all fine. <laughs> yeah, I know I saw on my Facebook feed that uh, one of the Rebel Legion members was thinking that for a cartoon called Star Wars Rebels, there was way too much Empire. And yeah, right? I was like, no way. <laughs> There's a perfectly fine amount of Empire. They just I named know. the show wrong. Exactly. There can never be too much Empire. <laughs> It should be called Star Wars Rebels Running Away as Usual. <laughs> All right, just kidding. Sort of, maybe. <laughs> hey, Star Wars fans, Jimmy Mack here, Rebel Force Radio host and honorary member of the 501st Legion. You're listening to the latest Imperial propaganda on the 501st cast. Long live the Empire. Mission reports. The Empire had learned that the droids it may be looking for may have been found in a small outpost called Steel City Con in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The Emperor dispatched his troops to look for the missing droids. The droids were hiding among the populace of this strange land. As the troops broke into teams, they searched every person they encountered for the missing droids. No one was left unchecked. The Sand Troopers worked extra hard to make up for those missing droids on Tatooine years ago. Sith Lords, Troopers, Officers, Sand People, Jawas, Biker Scouts, and more joined in the search. After hours of search, nearly 400 droids were captured. The rebel scum were seen trying to teach people how to use Jedi mind tricks on the troopers. But as far as our members can remember, no Imperial forces fell for this ancient sorcery. So in other words, Garrus and Karita had their first droid hunt at Steel City Con. <laughs> The badges were designed by artists Todd Allen and Bobby, ID 13525, and the Rebel Legion also participated with the dreaded Jedi Mind Trick cards, also designed by Bobby. The prizes were books donated by DK Books and Random House, and along with the books, sets of mint badges were given out as prizes, along with a framed set of all the badges. Jason, TK9141, helped secure the prizes for the uh, raffle after the droid hunt, along with donations from Mike, IS7341, and Rob, TK1495. And Paul, CT9748, donated the lanyards for all 500 droid hunt badges. So on Saturday morning of the convention, all those 500 badges were passed out before noon, thanks to the troopers who volunteered to help with the program. The biggest concern they were actually having is convincing people who were attending the convention that this was a free game, that they just needed to take the badge and have fun. They thought there was probably some sort of catch. I guess they didn't realize that the catch was that they were going to be hunted. But, you know, that's that's all part of the fun for us. And at 1 o'clock, that's when the hunt started. There were five teams, the Sandys, the Mikes, Team Bobby, Wally's crew, and Team Kelly. 
At the end of the hunt, 363 badges had been collected and tallied thanks to Joe TI-1175, and in the end, the Sandys won with 115 droids reclaimed. Garrison Karita gave out tons of prizes, and everyone really seemed to enjoy playing the game. Many of the people even asked Bobby to sign their badges since he had worked on the artwork. So thanks to Michael, TK5351, for sending in that report. Great piles of droids, man. That sounds. That actually sounds like a fun event. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've liked playing the droid hunt. Yeah, it's always been. Uh, it's always been really interesting when we've held that at the different cons, and I'm glad to see that it's you know it's becoming something where more of the members are getting involved with it. It's a it's a great game to get the uh, attendees involved as well. Well, back on Christmas Day, members of the Mexican garrison had a good time visiting with the children in the National Children's Hospital. They were joined by members of the Rebel Legion, some superheroes who helped to give out toys and bring some fun back to the Children's Day. The doctors and nurses, some of whom even dressed up like clowns, seemed really uh, to really enjoy the visit as well. So we'll have a link to a couple of pictures from that visit in our show notes, and we want to send a thanks to Naniv DZ2402 for that report. And speaking of hospital visits, December 30th was a historic day for Singapore Garrison, as this was the first time, after getting rebuffed at initial attempts, that they pulled off a successful hospital visit troop. There are only two public hospitals in Singapore with pediatric facilities, and far and away the main one is the hugely revamped KK Women's and Children's Hospital. It was formerly known as the Kengdang Kerbao, or Buffalo Pen Hospital, where an overwhelmingly majority of Singapore's population was born. This was also Singapore Garrison's second troop with the Rebel Legion's Outer Rim. Additionally, they had a check presentation ceremony for $2,000. This was money that was directed to the hospital's endowment fund from the Social Star Awards, which happened back in March 2013. They also presented the staff of the hospital's small gift, an X-Wing silicone ice tray, which was originally given to the Singapore Garrison by the Japanese Garrison through their kind CEO, Tenshima-san. Full credit for this event goes to Jamsari TK9694 for making initial contact with the hospital and conducting a solo trial run. Credit also goes to several other troopers who abstained from signing up. This was a much-awaited troop, and many were discussing and prepping for this troop, scouring the Legion forums for know-how and tips. However, the hospital needed to keep numbers down to just five characters. So we'll have a link to pictures, um, a picture album from this event in our show notes. And thanks to Dominic, TR7248, for that report. Nicely done. The outgoing uh, Capital City Garrison CO Luke, TR1320, compiled a fantastic year-in-review video, which was presented at Capital City's holiday partying at the beginning of January. We'll have a link to that in the show notes so you can catch up on a year of trooping in 15 minutes or less. Now, I hope everyone caught the Mythbusters Star Wars special. It aired at the beginning of January, and then they just re-aired it a couple days ago. Well, here's some juicy behind-the-scenes details from a couple of our troopers who were there. It started back in early October, when Golden Gate Garrison was contacted by Mythbusters for a shoot. Awesome, they thought. The problem was that it was in a few days, and they asked for 40 troopers on a Friday. They also asked for about half that number for Saturday as well. So calls were quickly made to their neighbors in Central California Garrison for more costumes, and then the call was eventually expanded to sand troopers and biker scouts as well so they could get up to the requested headcount. The first day of filming, Friday, was a shorter day than Saturday. 
Friday was the day in which they shot that scene where Adam introduced us as being the 501st and helping them with the episode. Also on the first day of shooting, they had a camera set up in the changing room as they thought it would be fun to see us all get dressed up into our armor and costumes. It was going to be one of those time-lapse shots starting with our members gathered as a group in front of the camera in their street clothes and then scrambling to each of where their armor bins were located and starting to get suited up and then returning back to the forefront to take a group shot after they were all suited up. But sadly, that footage hasn't surfaced yet. I think that would have been kind of fun to see. (laughs) Well, maybe. Yes, maybe. (laughs) Well, you know, as long as there wasn't any nudity. You know, there never is anyway. It would actually be very funny to see a time lapse of that. So then on to uh, Saturday, when 10 Golden Gate Garrison members and six from Central California Garrison, they were shown to a building that they could use for their changing and break room. They had to sign NDAs and have their mug shots taken, and then they waited a bit. About an hour later, the director, Adam, and Jamie appeared to say hi and let them know what was going to happen, and of course say that safety was of paramount importance. And at that moment, uh, some of the members were hoping for explosions, but it was not meant to be. So then they waited. Again, Hollywood style, very typical of a shoot, lots of waiting. But eventually they reached that bored but nervous stage, and so they started all putting on the majority of their costumes just so that they could be ready as soon as they were needed. But next up was lunch, and then they had to find ways to entertain themselves while they waited, so they decided that any passing cars that were coming through were subject to droid searches. How long have you had these droids? Fortunately, there wasn't too much traffic on that old military base, but, you know, they still were able to amuse themselves. Uh, Plus, one of the fellows had a mouse droid that he drove around, so they kind of all amused themselves with that, and they talked, and they waited. But eventually, they were ushered into the main building where the filming was going to be taking place. Uh, They were all looked over, divided into groups that would be best used for certain shots, and then off they went. The first thing that was filmed was Princess Sophia's entrance, Except none of the members really had any idea who this girl was. I know I was seeing a lot on uh, Facebook when this first came out. Um, they all thought it was Carrie, you know, but it wasn't Carrie. She was, you know, right. with the B team and a totally different thing. Um, <laughs> so, th- so they did the shot where they walked her down uh, a couple times. They were trying to hit their marks, which of course you can't possibly see with your bucket on. So they just had to do the best they could. Um, eventually, they um, filmed all the shots they wanted, and then there was more waiting, because if you've seen the episode, Jamie uh, had to go change for one part of it. And so finally, they uh, announced they were ready. The troopers got into sort of this horseshoe shape, and then out comes Jamie in his costume. Um, they actually hadn't started shooting yet, so the, the troopers all uh, started applauding, uh, but I'm not sure that Jamie totally appreciated it. Apparently, he... Uh, he looked at them and gave him his death stare. So he was he was really a good sport for getting into costume, but I don't really think he <laughs> he liked it. <laughs> <laughs> right. So uh so next and they um they stood there in the background for some of the dialogue that was going on. Um and then Jamie and Sophia had to go get on their safety harnesses. And then there was more waiting. Finally, about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, um, it was when they were going to do the, the swinging portion of the, the myth that they were trying to, to bust there. Um, <laughs> they worked on getting all that um, set up, and the troopers were sent throughout the building. Some of them stayed on the ground. Some of them went up to the second level that they had on the set, and they filmed the swinging sequence a few times. 
um, when uh, Adam takes and grabs them when they land, I guess he turns to one of the troopers and says something like, bite me, evil empire, or, you know, or something along those lines. And, uh, and then one of our members shoots him. And and he got to do that with every take that they did. You know, Adam probably didn't feel the, the nerf darts, but our trooper was entertained getting to, you know, shoot Adam Savage. He actually ended up picking up one of the darts that he had as a souvenir of, uh, you know, his experience. Um, then after that, they filmed just some little inserts with troopers shooting, reacting to something, that sort of thing that they would fill in later. And then finally, they did the wrap-up scene, which was like, you know, the plausible or bus- busted scene. Um, they had the troopers lined up behind the camera. Uh, you know, the main actors did their lines, and then they're chased by the troopers down the length of the building. And after a couple takes of that, um, everyone is laughing because, as you know, any 501st Legion members know, that sound of Tupperware running by 20-odd troopers is just <laughs> too funny not to break down laughing. So, um, But then they, they took and they watched the re- replay on the camera. It all looks great. And then they were done. They posed for some group picture, pictures and... Um, they were given their thanks, and off they went. So definitely sounds like an amazing experience. So uh, thanks to David, TK5894, and Daniel, TK4559, for giving us that insight for those of us who uh, weren't able to participate. <laughs> you know, it's so funny because every time I see that happen at any event, whether it's being filmed or not, when you get a bunch of stormtroopers walking along and there's no uh, sound editing, there's no music blaring. It's just the sound of that plastic, you know, yep. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, it would have been a different movie if they didn't add all that sound. That's for sure. <laughs> Tupperware armies unite. <laughs> Gotta love it. Well, it does sound like it was a great time, and it was a great episode to watch, so uh, really fun stuff. Well, moving on, uh, in in uh, last month, January, Star Garrison attended the second Space City Con, this time which was held in Galveston, Texas, with the usual 501st booth, plus a special photo booth for charity they used to raise money for Shriners uh, Hospital for Children in Galveston. So they raised about $260 in direct donations. Great job, Star Star Garrison. And on January 15th, a few members of Badland Garrison's Outer Rim Squad had the privilege of being employed by Lucasfilm and an action sports distributor to promote Santa Cruz's new line of collectible Star Wars skateboards in Canada at a private trade show. Despite the 501st Legion's already high costume standards, we are now required to submit photos to Lucasfilm for approval for each event that they ask us to. But naturally, Outer Rim Squad passed with flying colors. Some of these collectible boards are actually packaged in vintage toy-type boxes, and we'll have a link to a photo um, from this event in our show notes so that you can check them out. You can also see photos of them, of course, at santacruzskateboards.com slash Wars. Uh, Outer Rim squad leader Terry even got to skate on the TK longboard and the Boba Fett board. I'm not sure if he did that in armor or not. I did, I, we'll have to see. Lots of photos and videos were taken, um, so we'll have to check that out. And, of course, our members were treated like superstars, naturally. Yeah. Thanks to Terry, TK2886, for that report. I also heard that Southern California Garrison had a similar thing in Long Beach. Yeah, they uh, they had the agenda show in Long Beach, and so we had uh, uh, a couple of members out as well for two days. And same same kind of circumstance, they got to you know ride on the skateboards and stand there with all the cool gear and take lots of photos. So, really, some interesting stuff to see. 
Well, on January 16th, Singapore Garrison supplied seven costumes and four squires for the opening of One Fusionopolis View, also known as the Sandcrawler, Lucasfilm's regional headquarters in Singapore. For those of you planning a pilgrimage to that place, if you take the tube One North Station, uh, the locality map there will actually call the place Sandcrawler. There is a lot of information online concerning the Sandcrawler and the event, so you can probably find all the boring facts via Google or our Singapore Garrison's Facebook page, but here's some of the more obscure details. Uh, LFL actually provided a special events guide to brief the troopers and give them some tips on staying in character. Some of the guys got stuck in the elevator with George Lucas, but got tongue-tied. Oh, that must have been tough, being stuck in the elevator with George. <laughs> <laughs> there were two Yoda statues. The one featured at the red carpet photo-taking is, uh, uh, is a temporary traveling piece. The permanent display piece is located at the external fountain. The limited edition Singapore Garrison 10th anniversary patch was presented to George Lucas and Kathleen Kennedy, mounted on plates by removable tape. When told of the removable tape, George Lucas' immediate, his immediate reaction was to rip it off and paste it onto Yoda's shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go, George. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> one trooper yelled, we love you, George, at one point of the proceedings, but it was all kind of noisy, so we don't know if anyone heard him uh, within his helmet which is always the fun thing about being in those helmets. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, George Lucas went up to Andrew, TD-4668, pointed at the Sand Trooper weathering and said, Good dirt. Henceforth, Andrew's call sign has been changed to Good dirt. <laughs> <laughs> Legion members were invited to an employees-only photo shoot in the garden. And uh, tons of them took selfies with uh, with our members, and George Lucas demonstrated his dry sense of physical trolling humor. We'll have links uh, to pictures in the event on Singapore Garrison's Facebook page and in our show notes. Thanks to Dom, TR7248, for that report. Yeah, that was definitely cool, seeing all the photos coming out from that. I know, right? So, uh, proving that even big kids want to have Star Wars birthday parties, 70th Explorer's Garrison with the Rebel Legion and Mando Mercs helped Corey McGovern celebrate his 40th birthday on January 25th. Special thanks to the family for making a generous donation to the American Heart Association in our name. Nicely done. The Cloud City Garrison had a fan booth at Wizard World Portland. Uh, they set up a soft backdrop and offered photos with costume characters for a donation to charity. They decided to support the Peter Mayhew Foundation, as Mr. Mayhew was one of the convention's guests. So over three days, they collected $2,435. Awesome job. Yeah, that's a pretty nice uh, take, even though it was three days. That's No, that's absolutely. <laughs> that's good stuff. That's what I say. You know, our, our guys are always out there. Guys and gals are always out there doing uh, really great work for charity. Next up is Geek Picnic. It's the largest festival of geek culture in Russia. It is filled with popular science lectures, newest gadgets, and other stuff, and our Russian outpost felt it needed more empire. They assembled nearly every Russian 501st and Rebel Legion trooper and cadet, plus managed to transport their speeder bike replica from St. Petersburg to Moscow. They organized a small exhibition of their Star Wars stuff, from the Darth Vader figure signed by Dave Prowse to a Commander Colt armor put on a mannequin. During the event, Legion members collected money for the charity fund Podari Zizin, which is Gift of Life. They didn't set their expectations too high, 
because this was the first time at their event, but they were amazed when their booth became very popular. Geeks, fans, and of course, kids with parents were constantly trying out the speeder bike, browsing the exhibition, taking photos with the troopers, and playing Blast a Trooper. For two days, three troopers and one cadet performed their Blast a Trooper duty with very little rest. While the 501st members were blasted, the rebels were in charge of recharging the Nerf blasters. During the event, they also visited the mobile blood bank at the Federal Biomedical Agency that was stationed near the event pavilion. TB10010 and ID11100 helped blood service workers with promoting the blood donation drive. Troopers also thanked donors who were visiting the mobile bank in the name of the Empire, of course. And in the end, their efforts were a tremendous success. They collected 48,972 rubles, which is nearly 1,400 U.S. dollars, which is a record for their outpost. Previously, their highest total was 13,500 rubles collected. So the collected money will go to a three-year-old girl named Dasha from Moscow who is diagnosed with a brain tumor and recently had to undergo a surgical operation. So we want to thank Kerr, ID 11100, for that report. That's really good stuff. Every time. That's amazing too. It went from from uh, what was it, thirteen thousand rubles to forty eight thousand. That's a great increase. Yeah. Well, speaking of blood drives, we just recently received a report that back at the end of November there was a multi garrison blood donor bone marrow donor drive in Japan. On November twenty third and twenty fourth of last year, the Portuguese outpost, in cooperation with the Japanese garrison, Singapore garrison, Macau outpost. Japanese Super GT Association and the Japanese Red Cross participated in an all-day charity event to gather bone marrow donors and blood donors for the registry. The coordination of the event was huge and involved multiple parties, uh, race driver Andre Kuto, team managers, Wedsport, Bando team, and lots of logistics like airplane travels from Singapore, Portugal, and Macau. A total of four 501st territories were represented in this, trooping over two days of blood, sweat, and tears with a lot of hours and no sleep. The venue was the final leg of the Super GT, the Fuji Sprint Cup, uh, held at Fuji Speedway in the foothills of Mount Fuji. The Japanese Red Cross also sent a blood donation bus to collect donated blood, as well as bone marrow registrations. Andre Kudo's team, Bando Racing, sent staff, including their race queens, to help in the effort. This project was a long time in the making, and the Portuguese outpost organized this multi-garrison event by working tirelessly with the Japanese garrison CO, Takafumi, as well as others who have contributed to coordination, planning, documentation, and execution. Promotion for this event actually started back at the 60th Macau Grand Prix on November 10th when the Portuguese outpost, in cooperation with the Macau outpost, appeared at the race uh, thanks to driver Andre Kuto. They spent the day raising awareness for this, the importance of uh, this being a bone marrow donor. The event in Japan required a sheer amount of sacrifice involved by the troopers who trooped the day or who trooped on Sunday from 7:15 a.m. to 1:15 p.m. nonstop, and started again at 3 p.m. for another two hours of charity work. During the event, the 501st troopers distributed 15,000 leaflets around the stage uh, blood bus in the pit walk area, plus another 16,000 copies were distributed to each of the 16 racing teams. The end result of the event, 47 blood donors raised on site and 20 bone marrow donors registered on site. 
Definitely an event to remember in the annuals of uh, 501st Legion multi-garrison events. A unique mix of blood, motorsports, and Star Wars in Japan's own Fujisan. Thanks to Walter, BH3738, for that report. And Empire City Garrison's Jonathan, TK16890, attended the Rebels Coffee Cart event at Carrots, New York, on January 28th. Disney was hosting multiple coffee cart events to promote the upcoming new Star Wars Rebels cartoon, which is premiering this fall on the Disney XD channel. It was a single trooper request with an 8.30 a.m. call time. They had the coffee cart positioned in a big meeting room, and they had him stand near it and take pictures with employees while they all got themselves complimentary coffee, donuts, and bagels. They were also giving out Star Wars Rebel thermoses, which I guess had a picture of the uh, the stormtrooper on them, from what I understand. Uh, right. Disney provided a handler, and the employees were very excited to take photos with a stormtrooper and, of course, get their free breakfast. They also had TK16890 walk around the building to take photos and visit the employees who didn't make it down to the coffee cart. Then the following day, Veronica, TK22122, was dispatched to the lobby of MEC Global. Once again, Disney provided a handler, and the employees were very excited to have a stormtrooper visiting. She took many photos and even did a few little hello videos addressed to the employees' kids. To pass the time, she did the fake statue move with some of the people where, you know, you just stand still until they get close and then move at the last moment to scare them. So the the Disney reps and the, the victims of her little prank were in good spirits and found it funny. And then the following day after that, January 30th, it was the same routine. It was a single trooper request uh, with a Disney-provided squire. This time at Universal McCain Employees, they had a coffee cart. And Anthony, TK10666, had the same task. Stand by the coffee cart for a couple hours while employees took photos and got themselves complimentary coffee, donuts, and bagels. We'll have a link to a couple of Anthony's photos in our show notes. Sound like fun time for a lot of our uh, new five-digit ECG troopers there. Right? Although I wonder how much they just had to sit there and watch people drink coffee and eat bagels. I know. That had to have been, like, torturous. <laughs> and then looking at all the little Rebels giveaways. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I know that uh, Veronica had said that uh, at, when it was time for her to leave the floor, she went and changed, and then she was going to go back down to look at the coffee cart without her helmet on, but it was already taken down. Oh, no. So she didn't even get to really you know, see it without the visor in the way. Funny. On January 30th, a short video was published to celebrate the Lunar New Year. It was shot in San Francisco and featured three members from the Golden Gate Garrison. The tagline read, It's the Year of the Horse, and the Dark Lord of the Sith is taking time out from crushing the rebellion to honor this special holiday. May the horse be with you. We'll have a link in our show notes so you can check it out. And thanks to Kyle, TK91305, for letting us know about this event. And Salinas Valley Comic Con was a first-of-its-kind event for the California city, and organizers weren't sure how the event would be received, but the event was well attended by locals and, of course, our Golden Gate Garrison. There were thick crowds, about 2,000, as was estimated, particularly for the first four hours of the con. And despite bad weather, and I have to pause there and say, bad weather? Do you, does California even get bad weather in February? I mean, I've got knee-deep snow out here in New York. It got down to 60 <gasps> once, I mean, I think. You just can't leave the house unless you're getting milk or, you know, bread, right? Anyways, 
Um, plus, there was competing events, like the opening ceremonies of the Olympics was on. So in addition to the 501st, though, the other advertised draws included a replica of the Back to the Future DeLorean. There was book signings by two authors and numerous comic book vendors. So uh, take a listen to this news report. The first ever Comic Con, local Comic Con, has made its way to the Steinbeck Center in Salinas. Doors have actually been open for three hours now. Among them all, Action News reporter Jacqueline Mason. She's live. Dan Aaron, it's a packed house out here tonight. Some of my close Stormtrooper friends even joining me tonight at the first ever Comic Con here in Salinas. It's an exciting night. The main idea is to have a blast. And we'll have a link to that full news report in our show notes. Thanks again to Kyle, TK91305, for that report. Well, this past weekend, the 501st stormed Wizard World New Orleans and once again was able to help their friend Dylan Tujag. Thanks to the convention attendees loving the Blasted Trooper booth, the 501st Legion raised $2,870 to go towards Dylan's new van. Speaking of helping fellow Star Wars fans fundraise to get a much-needed new set of wheels, we'll have a link in our show notes to where you can help fellow Star Wars fan Dion, who's suffering from muscular dystrophy, to get an upgraded wheelchair. Yep, so check out those uh, links that we'll have in our show notes. Now, on February 9th, while he was in town to perform in Wicked Manila, 501st honorary member and real member of Terra Australis Garrison, Jay Lagaya, was hosted at a small meet and greet by the Philippine Outpost and Heroes Concept Store. So we don't have too many more details from that because it just happened a couple days ago. Um, but I know the Philippine Outpost was so excited. They get to, you know, we all get to meet Star Wars celebrities when we go to conventions. But this time they they really got to hang out with him and, and enjoy a lot of uh, time in his company and you know, show him around the town. And they had a real great time. I'm sure Jay did too. Oh, I bet that's always a lot of fun for everybody involved. So uh, I hear that you had uh, an event that you attended and got to oh, yeah, yeah. talk to some people at for us. Well, it was, uh, yeah, it not, not really Star Wars related, but in a way, I had the chance to attend Sundance for the first time ever. And uh, while there, I uh, went to see the premiere of a film called Life Itself, which is actually a documentary on Roger Ebert. And in the film, uh, honorary member Stephen Stanton voices uh, some of the uh, writings of Roger that he was unable to ever speak himself. I don't, I don't know if you know that you know, a few years before his passing, he uh, had different surgeries and he was unable to talk, I think, for the last three plus years of his life. But he had written this uh, biography. And so uh, Stephen Stanton was actually uh, the person who speaks those words as Roger in the film. It was really Really well done and really quite touching. But while I was there, I also ran into Jimmy Mack from Rebel Force Radio and had a chance to sit down and talk with him uh, about the film and about Star Wars. So we have a little uh, special interview here as well. This is an exclusive 501st Cast interview. Hey guys, this is Scott Allen, SL9854, coming at you live from Sundance in Park City, and uh, just got out of the movie Life Itself with uh, Star Wars honorary member Stephen Stanton, who did the uh, voice of Roger Ebert in the film, and I ran into none other than Jimmy Mack from Rebel Force Radio, also an honorary member since uh, around 2010 of the 501st Legion, so welcome, Jimmy Mack. How's it going? Great. 
It's been a while. Oh, man, it's been a while. Scott, it's so good to, to see you here. Uh, Stephen Stanton was fantastic voice matching Roger Ebert in this incredible documentary we saw tonight at the Sundance Film Festival where we're currently hanging out at a after party and uh it was just a fantastic performance and what what a great movie emotional um fantastic what it was was gosh it was a history of a great journalist with a love story mixed in it was truly and it was yes. a tragedy at the end too right I think. and truly surprise not surprising at all actually considering Stephen Stanton but amazing to actually get to see him do the voice of another person you know instead of uh instead of just bringing to life you know admiral tarkin or someone from the clone wars which was also great fun when the clone wars was on to watch him bring to life some of these words from roger ebert that were never spoken directly from his biography i mean it was really quite touching so whenever this movie does become publicly available we here at the 501st cast definitely recommend that you go see life itself the roger ebert documentary roger was a big star wars fan he really was. I grew up what? in Chicago, so I grew up with Roger Ebers. And his reviews, Roger actually gave Phantom Menace a positive review. Really? Yeah, he did. He, he thought the special effects definitely was the, 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 the main focus of the film. Right. But he also enjoyed the Senate scenes. He thought were very compelling. Well, that's I remember awesome. in particular. And he lambasted critics who shot it down. Because he believed that they were given a critics premiere in some right. crappy theater that had no air conditioning. I right, God, right, Roger right, right. He said this stuff. That's and, awesome. And I remember it well. I would collect his uh, newspaper articles in the Chicago Sun Times whenever he wrote about Star Wars, and I still have them to this day. I would save episodes of At the Movies with. Roger and uh, Gene Siskel, whenever they talked about Star Wars. And you could find some of that stuff on YouTube also. And these guys were really opinionated guys. They were the top critics in the world, top film critics in the world. And when you heard them talk about Star Wars, it was just really compelling conversation because these were guys who understood film, but they also understand the film goer and could watch a movie like a normal person. Well, I, and I think that's the thing that was so important, too, is that a lot of us perhaps were jaded because we grew up with episodes four, five, and six, and we already had sort of the original trilogy. Kids that didn't see those and started with The Phantom Menace thought it was an amazing movie. And if you look at it from that moviegoer's aspect, from the younger generation who didn't really grow up on the same original ones we did, come on. They were really, you know, quite good films. Right. Absolutely. Um the Phantom Menace had a tremendous impact on me as a Star Wars fan and as a film goer in general, too, because you were seeing some special effects there you never saw before. Right. I mean, say what you want about Jar Jar Binks, but I remember right. <laughs> that first scene he was in there, I was saying to myself, how do they do that? Yeah. What is the movie magic that yeah. is making this character interact with these live-action characters? Because, let's face it, you, you did not see it to that level. No. Jar Jar Binks was the first major motion character who was completely fully computer generated right and look what they did with the next films coming with the clones and everything else i mean you know there wasn't an actual clone armor built ever which uh, is was, crazy when yeah. you think about it yeah right? all cg animated and, and i mean the special effects too for me i was so excited about the phantom menace and yeah i you know i had my issues with jar jar too but the special effects were so astonishing to me that it just gave me such a new excitement for the whole Star Wars saga, hoping that it would really become 
you know, something more. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to say that I wasn't fully impressed with two and three, how they went. Um, I still liked seeing the storyline. I still liked seeing, uh, you know, watching it fleshed out, so to speak. Right, right. Um, but I'm really excited for what's going to happen. Hopefully, you know, 2015 or so with episode seven. I hope that they have actual physical, real trooper armor. Right. In the, the sequel trilogy. Right. I hope that Abrams incorporates a lot of the natural sets and characters and armor and shoots it to look a lot more like the original trilogy. I've been trying to read a lot about that, and that's what a lot of people have asked him to do. In fact, there was somebody that wrote a... um, um, Twitter post or a Facebook post and said, you know, dear Mr. Abrams, here's the five things we hope you do. And he actually replied to that. Oh, did uh, yeah. In an article oh, online. And he said, you know, I really do want to take it back to old school. I want to use actual models for the ships. I want to use actual sets and not like do everything so CGI that it's like, what's the point? No CGI R2. Yeah. That always bothered me, the CGI R2, because when you had the physical R2, Either as a remote control device that you a droid right, that you right. would have on the set, or if it was Kenny Baker inside the shell, there was so much more personality to it actually having to actually having it on the set. And also, if you look at that sequence at the beginning of Revenge of the Sith, when he's battling with those battle droids on right. the Separatist ship, it's clear that it lacks the weight. The mass, absolutely, of a real legitimate R two, and that was what was so great about the original trilogies. You felt the realness of it, right? And that's what Lucas wanted to get across was that real universe, the used universe. We've all heard that to death, but I mean, I'm just pointing at yet another example of what made it true was the fact he used real robots. Well, and that was a big thing for me too, is that because when you watch episodes one, two, and three, and you see all this fantastic technology, and come on, you see R2 with jetpacks flying around, uh, and then suddenly four, five, and six, R2 can't, you know, get over a bump or downstairs, and the, 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 I, the excitement of it all, or I guess the impact of it all, you know, Darth Vader and Obi-Wan's first lightsaber duel becomes a little less impactful after seeing what happens in episode three. Right. You know, when you see all the Jedi in the arena and, and, you know, all the lightsabers and everything, and then all of a sudden you see these two guys going at it in episode four, and you're kind of like, whoa, 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 what happened? Yeah, yeah. That's you know. Well, I mean, there's, you know, there's the realities that are involved in it all. Right, and, uh, of course. They just didn't have the, the filmmaking technology. They were just trying to figure out how to make lights. <laughs> no, of course, no. of course. Uh, look, I still look fondly back on episode four, uh, and, you know, f- uh, five, Empire Strikes Back was my all-time favorite. You know, Jedi was amazing, too, and I just I'm looking forward now to see I you know I keep reading things about how you know Disney Lucasfilm want to kind of take it from those three movies forward into episode seven and so I'm really looking forward to what is that script going to contain you know are uh, uh, Han Solo and Princess Leia and Luke Skywalker going to come back is it going to be just a cameo are they going to have a little more of a featured role what other care you know what do we you have any uh, insight on what do you think we might see what we've been hearing you know behind the scenes and uh and uh, I think there's, uh, boy, you know, I, I can't footnote here on the fly, but yeah, yeah. what we've been hearing is that Abrams and Kasdan have retooled the script, moved further away from Michael Arndt's original script. Right, yep. Which also then moves it further away from George Lucas's original outline and yeah. story treatment. Yeah. And we understand that George was involved in this 
this rewrite or restructure of the the, the plot that has already been put on the paper and now is right. being refined. And the way we hear Abrams and Kasdan are refining the script is to focus more on the big three, Han, Luke, and Leia. Right, right. Give them one last big adventure, have them pass the lightsaber to the next generation, and then in episodes eight and nine, you will see those characters come much more into the spotlight. Right. So the effort to give Han, Luke, and Leia a fitting send-off, and I've heard from some fans who have told me, well, you know, Return of the Jedi was a fitting send-off for those characters. Right, right. But, no, because no. you know why? It's it's more a fitting send-off for the fans than the characters themselves. Absolutely. It was a nice ending to what we saw up through 4, 5, and 6, you know, with the end of the Empire, so to speak, at least at that moment. Uh, but it did. It wasn't a finish or a send-off for the characters. I mean, that was really a beginning, in my opinion, to what could happen in the future. Yeah. So I'm really excited. I hope that we see a lot more of at least sort of their storyline is filled in so we know what happened uh, with them over the next few years. And then, uh, you know, whether it's their lineage, heritage, whatever it is, I know the expanded universe is kind of being... Uh, not negated, perhaps, but, you know, uh, we just have to see where they take it. Well, what's interesting about the expanded universe is uh, moving forward, everything is going to be incorporated into a singular canon. Yeah. And what could happen is that some existing ex- expanded universe uh, plot threads, characters, environments, vehicles, situations, what have you, that might be brought and incorporated into these upcoming films, comic books, novels, right. what have you. right. So that's um, kind of taking it back to square one. And I know that that was the original at- intention from Lucasfilm when things like the Zahn trilogy was being published was that, yes, this is accepted, approved canon right. until George contradicts it. Yeah, and I'd always heard that he, he had given like a 20-year, like don't touch anything within 20 years after episode six because right. I'm going to fill that in at some point. But they and, did. They went way beyond 20 years after episodes. Right. Well, that's where I thought everyone else, like Timothy Zahn's books and things like that, were, you know, all that future stuff way out there. Um, but, yeah, I, you know, now we don't know whether that's going to be completely negated or I hope they don't start doing all kinds of crazy parallel universe stuff like Marvel and... <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I don't what... think that that's the way that they want to proceed. Yeah. I think they're looking for a clean line from... The end of Return of the Jedi to right. what we're going to see at the beginning right. of Episode Seven. Right. I think that they, you know, and they'll probably be jumping over a lot of mythology that's been established established by the expanded universe over the last couple decades, two right. and a half decades, what have you. Right. But um, but you know, I have faith in those guys at Lucasfilm, guys like Leland Chi and Pablo uh, Hidalgo. Sure. Those guys are solid fans, lovers of the saga, right. really know where all the pieces fit together to begin with. And so I think they'll um, do the best job they possibly can to establish a firm grasp on where the canon goes and what is acceptable canon. Right. Because they want everything to fit in as acceptable canon outside of things like parodies, you know, what yeah. have you. Exactly. Like if they bring back Star Wars Detour, that's not going to fit into any. Right, right. Canon. It's just going to be apparent. Yeah, yeah. 
uh, as much uh, it would be considered as much part of the real Star Wars canon as like the Family Guy. Sure. So you know, not canon. Um, but I don't want them to then be suffocating the creative forces that are going to be behind the films by saying you can't do this because it happened in a comic book three years ago exactly this way exactly that kind of handcuffs the the true creatives behind the saga and that those are the filmmakers right i think star wars on the silver screen trumps any other Star Wars. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> Excuse me. Not so much a reboot, but the ability to do as such. To be able to say, we're going to take a creative oh, no, license yeah, and, not, you know. God forbid. I'm not yeah. saying reboot. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying, also, I'm not saying negate the prequels or the Clone Wars. I consider that stuff to be real canon. Oh, yeah. Okay. I just don't see them focusing on that era. No. At all anymore. Agreed. Yeah. I think they're going to just let that sit and simmer for a while and that's fine because let's face it we have had the focus be primarily on the prequel era and the clone wars era going all the way back to 1999 yeah that's a long that's a 15 year run that's true and i think that's longer than the run of focus placed on the original trilogy yeah I mean, that was like a solid eight-year run, right? Yeah, when you think about it, yeah. 85. Yeah. 84, 85. Right. If you include things like the droids and stuff. And they're just <laughs> right. part of the Marvel comics. Right, right, right. Some people might get enough drinks of me. I yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but um, I think that, you know, the deal with the, the continuity and the canon is that moving forward... Whatever is released, be it film, television series, animation, comic book novel, it will fall under one established canon. And yeah. Though, hey, those that's a tough job. Those guys seem up to the task to me. So oh, yeah. I wish them luck. Exactly, right? Right? I wish them luck. Okay, uh, I have, I have one, um, one more quick question for you, uh, and that is, do you think that we'll see anything around the time of Celebration? You know, Celebration Anaheim originally was only a month before the movie was supposed to come out, right. and, and now it's been delayed. What are your thoughts on, do you think we'll see anything for Celebration? Absolutely. Or? Absolutely. That is when the major marketing blitz will begin. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping. Star Wars Episode Seven, And yeah. it's going to last through the rest of the year. Yeah. So from mid to end of April, and we will see footage. We that's what I'm hoping footage. for. I'm hoping for a really great preview There'll you know, during celebration, um, there'll be footage popping up at certain panels here and there along yeah. the way. I think most of the major principals, as far as acting, will be in attendance and yeah. hosting panels, possibly signing autographs. Right, right. I think there'll be a nice focus on Star Wars Rebels, the upcoming animated series as well. Oh, yeah. Um, so I think really what we're looking forward to here is what's going to be the most diverse and densely rich celebration we've ever seen. I'm hoping so. I mean, I I'm so. I'm excited about celebration. We have a lot of work in front of us in the Legion because, you know, we're a, a good part of the presence there. Absolutely. But uh, I'm just so excited to see what we might find out when that occurs. 
So really looking forward to it. And you heard it here first on the 501st cast. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> You're right. Uh, no, not so much. But no, you, anyway. went, you bring up 2010, and we were doing a live podcast from the floor of uh, Star Wars Celebration 5 in Orlando. Yeah. And uh, I was surprised by Dean Plantamura and a bunch of troopers. And they presented me with that plaque and that, that 501st Friend of the Legion badge. Right, right. I just, uh, what a thrill that was, man. Because I, I just really have just always appreciated the, the flavor that you guys add when you show up at events in the, the armor. And I love reading stories about you going to hospitals and hearing the stories about troopers crying underneath the buckets because right. they're, they're seeing and feeling this palpable joy coming off of kids who you know have it rough and, no you know, absolutely and it, it's just for a few minutes you guys can help push that all those bad feelings and illnesses aside and it's just like that's the power of star wars you yeah. know yeah and, and it, it it's just so indelible with the fabric of of our culture that when those characters show up Instantly, everyone knows who's there, even if they've never seen the films. Absolutely, so, I say it all the time. There are uh, there are plenty of other movies that are have endured throughout the years. I have never heard so many quotes from a single source of movies as Star Wars in every uh, pop culture television show film. There's always someone refers to something about the Jedi way or three PO or Darth Vader. Or, you know, it's it's everywhere. Sometimes it's like. Such a vague reference that, you know, someone on the writing crew of, say, a sitcom like, I know The Office did this one. Right, right. Where they were trying to find a printer part, and they're like, well, what part is it? Look in the catalog. Oh, it's TK421. Right. What? TK421? Exactly. So, you know, I'm just, that's a memory. I don't know if it was The Office. I can't remember what show that was. But I think it was. I'll have to look. No, I agree. I hear stuff like that all the time. You know, the Big Bang Theory does stuff like that, too. You know, there's always references to it. So you hear it everywhere. And it's it's amazing how long it's it's stuck with so many of us. And we'll continue to do so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, with you guys out there yeah. showing up at events and yeah. conventions, it, it just wouldn't be the same without the 501st. Yeah. Thank you. I, I know. Oh, I can't wait to see what kind of room you guys have for Celebration in Anaheim. It's yeah. such a highlight of all the celebrations. Yeah, we're hoping to, we're hoping to make it something really spectacular once again. So yes. get a live do back this time. <laughs> that would be amazing. Oh, there's an idea. All right. Well, Scott, it was so good to catch up. Hey, with you thanks. And, uh, yeah, talk a little bit about what we think the future of Star Wars is going to be like. But I yeah. think both you and me agree that it's going to be around for a long time, and the future looks pretty bright. Undoubtedly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us, Jimmy. Mac. I'm so happy you guys are still. So plugging away and putting those shows out. And, yeah. You know, saying it loud, saying it proud. You know, follow yeah. first all the way. We're going to get you to come back one of these times. Sure. Anytime. Okay. Anytime. Right. i got to suit up. There you go. i got to suit up. Well, maybe not for the podcast. <laughs> well, it's a video <laughs> podcast. Well, there's an idea. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Thanks a lot, guys. Awesome. Thank you. This is Obi-Wan Kenobi, and you're listening to the 501st cast. This is the cast you're looking for. Coming up this weekend, February 15th and 16th, is one of Empire City Garrison's signature events, Invading the Intrepid Sea, Air, and Space Museum. We'll be sure to have a full report on this much-loved troop next episode. 
And thanks to an article in Scouting Magazine, which I'll uh, put the link to it in our show notes, Legion units have been fielding tons of requests to appear at numerous Cub Scout Pack Blue and Gold Banquets. So I'm sure we'll have quite a few mission reports to talk about next time based on the amount of requests that I saw come through just for February alone. If you'd like to have the 501st Legion appear at your Balloon Gold or other scouting event, head over to 501st.com slash request.php or email eventrequest at 501st.com and we'll see if we can send some troopers out. How fun will that be? Now coming up bright and early on Saturday, March 1st, will be the 2014 Los Angeles Muscle Walk. The MDA Muscle Walk is a local walk event that pays tribute to children and adults with muscular dystrophy while raising funds to support MDA's missions of help and hope. The walks are family-oriented gatherings that are uh, open and accessible to everyone, children, adults, grandparents, students, corporate teams, and more. The 501st is appearing to add atmosphere and to add more empire to the events. Also on March 1st, in Los Angeles, is the Komen Race for the Cure at Dodger Stadium. Uh, Southern California Garrison's Leslie TR-3774 started an informal breast cancer awareness trooper group on Facebook, purely for fun and fundraising and awareness for the cure. Everyone in the group, and this is open to any trooper in any Star Wars club, really, uh, is doing some version of a pink costume or pink accessorized costume to support the cause. So we'll have a link to the Facebook group here. Uh, the group is hitting the streets for its first event. They're actually going to walk or run the course, not just mingle with the other walkers and runners. So I'm sure we're going to have tons of pinkalicious trooper photos to share during our next episode. And you guys have another big event uh, coming up, Legoland Star Wars Weekend at the end of March, the 29th and 30th. I'm sure, as always, your garrison will have a great number of characters out in costume for this annual event. There is nothing like riding a Lego Bantha, <laughs> except for some chafing, maybe. But <laughs> yeah, I know my family is looking forward to coming out and visiting Legoland for the first time when we're out there for Celebration Anaheim. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, I I, I go to the event every year, uh, and while it's fun to you know be in the Star Wars costumes, I'm still just stupefied at how they build some of the things they do out of the Legos. <laughs> It's, it's amazing to me. Let's see. Uh, coming up March 15th and 16th is one of Star Garrison's signature events. It's AllCon. And as a special bonus, two of Star's members are getting married at the convention. So we'd like to wish all the best to Josh, BH15173, and his fiancée, Nikki, BH14019, on their upcoming nuptials. That's going to be quite the AllCon memory for them. Definitely. Fun, fun, and I fun. know I was looking at her Facebook um, page. She is, uh, I believe it's designing a dress for her future mother-in-law that is based on um, Mon Mothma's gown. So it's, it's not exactly Mon Mothma's <laughs> gown, but it really captures the spirit of it, but still looks like a beautiful, regular dress at the same time. So she's putting, uh, a, that's she's very putting cool. a lot of work into it. Very nice. And also that weekend, the 501st Legion's Mid-South Garrison will be at Lexington Comic Con, and they've invited all 501st Legion members to join them for what is quickly becoming one of the biggest events for their region. All 501st and Rebel Legion members are eligible to get admission passes if they work the booth and or help with the Blasted Trooper range. Also in attendance will be Mid-South Garrison's Dewback, along with a speeder bike and other great props. 
You can head over to LexingtonComicCon.com for all the show details or to the main Legion forums for information on how to volunteer. For more upcoming events, be sure to check out our friends at Roku Depot. They publish a database from the 501st, which contains upcoming events from as many of our Legion units as they can gather the data from. So be sure to check out the links in the show notes. This episode's shout-out goes to our November Legion Trooper of the Month, Dexter L. Enriquez, TC4115, from Philippine Outpost. When Typhoon Yolanda struck the region of the Philippines, Dexter felt compelled to help others through the tragedy, as many helped him in his time of need when in 2010 a tragic fire took Dexter's sister and niece and almost killed Dexter himself. While the rest of the outpost gathered donations from all over the world, Dexter packed his armor and flew to the area to assist Star Wars Cebu's Operation New Hope in the distribution of relief goods. In his clone armor, Dexter brought smiles to children who had lost parents, siblings, and homes. He brought hope to families who had lost nearly everything. Along with local volunteers, he visited far-flung coastal communities around Cebu Island that had not yet been reached by humanitarian aid. Dexter exemplifies going above and beyond the call of duty as a trooper. The 501st Legion is proud to award him Trooper of the Month for November 2013. Our runner-up for November 2013 is Walter Santos, BH3738, Portuguese Lusitanian Outpost, for his outstanding efforts in coordinating charity events and team building within the Legion. Congratulations to Dexter and Walter. Keep up the good work in the name of the Empire. As always, our official home on the web is 501st.com forward slash podcast, where you can post your feedback and comments and listen to previous episodes of the show. The 501st cast is an easy way to catch up on a few weeks of Legion news while driving, at the office, or working out. But if you're looking for up-to-the-minute news, you'll need to get it from our social media feeds like Facebook and Twitter. Just look us up on Facebook as The 501st Legion, or go to facebook.com forward slash the 501st Legion. You can also follow us on Twitter at at 501st Legion, or go to twitter.com slash 501st Legion. Join in the discussion as thousands of fellow fans share their passion for trooping, Star Wars, and charity. The 501st Legion is a worldwide Star Wars costuming organization comprised of and operated by Star Wars fans. While it is not sponsored by Lucasfilm Limited, it is Lucasfilm's preferred Imperial costuming group. Star Wars, its characters, costumes, and all associated items are the intellectual property of Lucasfilm, copyright 2014, Lucasfilm Limited. In trademark, all rights reserved, used under authorization. That's it, troopers. Join us next time on the 501st Cast.